We are live from home, and I want to welcome Robertson Sandy, who is also live from home this morning, right here with us. She's going to share some scriptures and thoughts with you this morning. Shabbat shalom. A few weeks ago, I got um, a message from my friend in Holland, and she said, Sandy, as mother of the congregation, you need to step out and share your heart. And for a few weeks now, I've been thinking about her words and just wondering exactly what part of my heart uh, that I needed to share. And this last, last week, actually, I began to read uh, old, some of my old um, journals. And my habit is that I, as I read the scriptures, if a scripture uh, jumps out at me some way, I write it. And often it could be even a whole chapter I will write longhand. But in a particular journal from 2007, it was December 15th, and that happened to be the day I was reading in 2020. And on December 15th, 2007, I wrote this, Isaiah 54.2. This was before a Shabbat service that day. Enlarge the plates of your tent and let them stretch out the curtains of your dwellings. Do not spare. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes. For you shall expand to the right and to the left and your descendants will inherit the nations and make the desolate cities inhabited. And then I wrote a note to myself, and I wrote something like this. The vision I get from Isaiah 52 is that large tents have very large and tall posts in the center. And these posts are like the people here in Jacksonville who help hold the tent up. And then I wrote, the tent stakes will help, the tent posts and tent stakes will help us extend, expand our worldwide podcast in a way that a physical building could not do. Now, this is interesting that this was written in 2007 because I, at that time, we had been looking for almost two years for a new location, and we were looking for something more expansive, more um, welcoming, more beautiful, with water. We were hoping for a little fountain somewhere, and the Lord did give us a beautiful new building a few years later, but at the time of this reading, I mentioned podcasts, and they were uh, this was the first year of podcasts. It had only been, um, I think, going for like a year and a month when I wrote this. And I'm reflecting on this scripture from Isaiah 54, 2, that throughout our ministry, the Lord has encouraged us to expand. And we're not a mega church, of course, but we started in our home and we have people in our home, and our ministry has often been focused on one-to-one, -one, uh, one person at a time. 
And then as we moved out of our home, we moved to buildings. And then as we moved out of buildings, we moved to countries. And that all seemed like uh, an expansion. Well, here we are in 2020 and we're back in our home. And we do have a worldwide podcast for more than 15 years now. And it's has reached millions and millions of people. But now we are in a time when we're in visually, we have life from home. And during this time of like being sequestered and quarantined and being very careful, David and I, we've seen a lot of people one-to-one. And this is what I wanna speak to you about today. You can make a difference one-to-one. Find someone that needs you. Give them something. Reach out. Step out of what's normal for you in the holidays. Write a note. Call someone you haven't been in contact with. There's so many people that need each one of us, and each one of us are tent states. We're those posts that hold up the build. So I just encourage you to be that post, be that tent post, be that strong, tall post that holds up the building, that makes room for thousands, maybe millions of people, but starts one-to-one and do what you can, do what only you can do and provide for someone else a prayer, a, a word, a kind word, an encouragement, a gift. So that's it. That's my heart. <laughs> Thank you, Sandy. Thank you, Revis and Sandy, for sharing that with us. You know, it really connects with uh, the principle from Proverbs that the one who refreshes others will be refreshed themselves. And all of us are in need of refreshment. All of us are in need of encouragement. It's a challenging time for everyone. And so it's, it's useful to understand that this, even though it's a time of uh, unprecedented uh, challenge for our generation, it's also a time of unprecedented opportunity. So take Rebbitz and Sandy's words to heart and, and think about how you yourself can personally do good for others and refresh them. That's really the principle behind ministry and service that is uh, part of the, the circle of blessing, that when you receive blessing from others, you can also give blessing to others. And when you give blessing to others, when you refresh other people, you yourself will be refreshed. That's what Proverbs 11.25, one of our favorite scriptures uh, tells us, those who are generous will prosper and those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. 
We're going to turn now to a time of study of the Torah. Let's pray together. Baruch atah Adonai Eloheinu melech ha'olam asher kidshanu b'mitzvotav etzivanu la'asok b'divrei Torah. Blessed are you, Lord our God, King of the universe, who sanctifies us with his commands and commands us to engross ourselves in the words of Torah. This morning, I want to share with you the story of the man of mystery, Tzafnat Paneach. Tzafnat Paneach had a troubled youth. He had been the victim of human trafficking. As a teenager, he'd been sold to human traffickers who transported him to another country. His family had not only abandoned him, they were complicit in selling him to slave traders. He had no official identification papers and essence, he was an undocumented alien, no citizenship papers from anywhere, no ID, no rights, and he was treated as property and sold into forced labor. He lived now in a foreign country. He was a slave. It was a pretty hopeless situation, and it gets even worse. Tzafnat Panach became a convicted felon. He was imprisoned for sexual assault. He was innocent, and he was one of those in prison who said he was innocent, like so many but he actually was, but the courts did not believe him. It's quite a story. Tzafnat Paneas' background seemed to be nothing but trouble, and many thought he was nothing but trouble. But there was more to this young man than many people thought. There was, in fact, um, something about him that was extraordinary. Some people would later say that his name meant a finder of mysteries or one who reveals mysteries, you could call a man of mystery or mystery man or even revelation man. It's pretty much what his name meant, though some say his name could mean savior of life or something like that. He had a kind of power to connect with the spiritual world and to reveal secrets and hidden knowledge to all kinds of people. He wasn't a fortune teller. He wasn't a palm reader, but he did sometimes seemed to enjoy scaring people by saying that he practiced divination and could see into the future and into the hidden places of people's hearts and minds. He did not, in fact, practice divination. People would tell him about strange things that they had experienced and Safnat Paneach would unravel the secret meaning. People were amazed. They would say, mystery man had incredible powers. And they would often ask, how do you do this? And he would answer mysteriously, God only knows. Surprisingly, despite the bitter circumstances of his life, he was also a hard worker. Even in prison, he worked hard. And he was one of those guys in prison who could get things done, things no one else could. The mystery man, Safnat Paneach, was waiting. He was waiting for the right time, waiting for the time when he could escape from his troubled past and escape from prison life and start a new life somehow somewhere. And year after year, he waited, thinking the time would soon come, but it didn't. Two men he helped in prison were released, and they were in his debt, and they promised that when they got out, they would help him get out. They said they knew powerful people on the outside, and they said they'd put in a good word for their old buddy to someone who could, you know, work in those ways that only the most powerful people work when they decide to get something done. They promised to help, but they forgot they didn't. 
And then years later, one of them remembered and he actually did what he promised. It was, it was one of those days, nothing special about it, that kind of day that seemed just like any other day. And on that day, a prison official came to Tsafnapanea with news. There was a powerful person who wanted him to come out of prison because he needed his help with a mysterious dream. And if Tsafnat Panayach, the man of mysteries, would help and if he was useful, he could surely understand this might be his permanent way out of prison. So the prison officials cleaned up this mysterious prisoner. They shaved him. They washed him. They made him smell good. They got rid of the prison stink. They gave him new clothes. They took him out of prison and they brought him to, to the richest and the most powerful man in the entire country, the country of Egypt. The pharaoh of Egypt wanted to see him. Now, I can't tell you the whole story, but I will tell you something you need to know. Tzafnat Paneah, of course, was not the man's original name. If you know some of the stories from the Bible, you know this was the new name he was given when he got out of prison. His new boss, the pharaoh of Egypt, gave him that name. And his story is an amazing one. And believe it or not, it is in our Bible. So every year around Hanukkah time, we read the story of Tafnat Paneach and the amazing things he did and the surprising ways his troubled life turned out. And this one who was renamed Tafnat Paneach, he's more familiar to us by his given name, his name in English, Joseph, Joseph, son of Jacob, Joseph, son of Israel, his name in Hebrew, Yosef ben Yaakov, Yosef ben Yisrael, after he's freed from prison and promoted to a high government position, Joseph has a moment of reflection where he expresses that he's put his past troubles behind him. It's in Genesis 41, verse 50, part of our Torah reading for this week. And it starts like this. Before the years of famine came in Egypt, Joseph became the father of two sons whom Asenath, daughter of Potipharah, priest of On, bore to him. Joseph named the first one Manasseh, which means God has made me forget completely my hardship and my parental home. And the second he named Ephraim, meaning God has made me fertile in the land of my affliction. So with the birth of these two sons, he is feeling like his troubled past is behind him in this whole new chapter of life that has nothing to do with the sorrows of the past has begun. And that sets us up for what surely surprised Joseph. In this week's Torah portion, we read that the same brothers who sold him to human traffickers end up in Egypt in the same room with him. And there he is face to face with the brothers who hated him so much that they sold him to human traffickers. The brothers don't know who he is, but he knows who they are. These brothers understand they're meeting with Tzafnat Paneach, the Egyptian, trying to make a business deal with him. He's got Egyptian food to sell. That's what they need to buy to take back to the land of Canaan, where they live, where the famine is also going strong. They meet Safnat Paneach and he's talking to them in a foreign language through an interpreter. He's now this high government official. He looks the part. His head is shaved or covered with an Egyptian headdress. He's wearing eyeliner and makeup as Egyptian dignitaries did. And, and these brothers have no idea who he is. They think they're talking to the Egyptian prime minister. Why? 
because they are. They have no idea that they're talking with their brother, who is, in fact, Tafnat Paneach. Joseph Tafnat Paneach is the Egyptian prime minister. There's another moment when Joseph is overwhelmed with emotion. The, the brothers still don't know who he is, and they have no idea that he understands them when they're speaking to each other in Hebrew. And here's how the Torah describes what happened. It's a poignant moment in Genesis chapter 42, verse 5. The sons of Israel came to buy along with the others that came to Egypt since the famine extended to the land of Canaan. And Joseph was governor over the land of Egypt. It was he who sold to all the people of that land. Now, when Joseph's brothers came and prostrated themselves before him on the ground, Joseph saw his brothers and recognized them, but he acted toward them as if he were a stranger, and he spoke harshly with them. He asked them, where are you from? And they answered, from the land of Canaan to buy food. So Joseph recognized his brothers, but they didn't recognize him. Now understand that Tzafnat Paneach is treating them harshly, and he accuses them, in fact, of being spies and planning treachery. And then he makes outrageous demands, and the whole time, the whole time, he's speaking Egyptian in the Egyptian language, and he's using an interpreter who interprets from his Egyptian to Hebrew so that these men, his brothers, can understand him. And when they speak in Hebrew, the interpreter interprets from Hebrew to Egyptian. Now let's continue Genesis 42 down to verse 21. This is the brothers speaking because now they're, they're really troubled by the harsh treatment they're receiving by, from Tzafna Paneach. They don't understand. And then one of them says to the others, we are in fact guilty concerning our brother. He was in distress and he pleaded with us and we saw it and we wouldn't listen. And that's why this distress has come upon us right now. Reuben, answered them. Didn't I tell you don't wrong the boy? But you wouldn't hear of it. Now comes the reckoning for his blood. Verse 23, they had no idea that Joseph understood them since an interpreter was translating for them. Joseph turned away from them and he wept and then he returned and he spoke to them. He took Shimon, Simon from among them and put him in prison before their eyes. Wow, what a moment. And Tafnat Paneach then demands that for Simon to be set free, they have to return to their homeland and bring their, bring their youngest brother, Benjamin, back. That was an unbearable thought to them and to Jacob, their father. They go back home with this demand. And only when they're so desperate because of the famine and the lack of food are they ready. It took a long time before they reached that moment of desperation. And we pick up the story again in Genesis 43, verse 26. When Joseph arrived to his home, this is his, you know, government home, the government home that he lived in in Egypt, they, the brothers, went into his house and presented him with the gift they had brought with them. And then they prostrated themselves before him on the ground. 
He asked them how they were and inquired, is your father well, the old man of whom you spoke? Is he still alive? And they answered, your servant, our father is well. Yes, he's still alive. As they bowed in respect, he looked up and saw Benjamin, his brother, his mother's son, and said, is this your youngest brother of whom you spoke to me? And added, may God be good to you, my son. Verse 30, and then Joseph hurried out of the room because his feelings toward his brother were so strong that he wanted to cry. He went into his bedroom and there he wept. And he washed his face and he came out and then he controlled himself as he gave the order to serve the meal. They served him by himself, the brothers by themselves, and the Egyptians included at the meal by themselves. Egyptians don't eat with Hebrews because it's abhorrent to them. So they sat there facing him, the firstborn in the place of honor, the youngest in the last place, and the men expressed their amazement to each other that they had been seated in such a way that the oldest was at one end of their row and the youngest at the other, and everyone was arranged by their order of age. It's a great story. I hope you take time to read the whole story for yourself. Well, Mishpacha, this is a powerful message, and it's meant to give us hope. It's meant to help us understand that, that life can be filled with troubles and with sorrows, and that things can look awful and desperate and unfixable for the longest of times. But it is possible when you trust in God, to see the hand of God at work in ways that are beyond what, what humans can organize. And God can flip things. He can turn things hafuch, upside down. He can turn things around so that things that had been done with evil intentions and evil plans and purposes, and were actually evil, that the outcome of those things can become good. The thing itself may have been evil, but God has a way of turning those things upside down and making them right. He has a way of restoring and fixing things. And the Bible shows us about the sorrows that people have. What kind of family was this that sold their brother into slavery? This is beyond normal sibling rivalry. It's a kind of hatred that, that's almost evil. Well, it is evil. It's an evil hatred. It's not just general, casual, run-of-the-mill, everyday hatred. It's, it's something far beyond that. And it's associated with evil actions and tragedy. Slavery, human trafficking, forced labor, false accusations, false imprisonment, and so forth. But the Bible teaches us something by shining a spotlight on the people who, even in the midst of the worst of times, keep their eyes on the Lord. You see, these who put their trust in God, even when they're in the worst of circumstances, these are the ones who see the mighty hand of God at work. Step by step, he brings healing. Step by step, he puts things back together that no one could put together. Now, it's, it, it's so human and so normal that, um, that Joseph, 
that Joseph was thinking, I can put my past behind me. I can, I can move forward. I've got, I've got two boys. I've got children. I've got a wife. I've got a new life, a new name. I've got a, a, a great position, the best position in Egypt other than Pharaoh. I'm going to put the past behind me. And even though this has been the land of my affliction, you know what? It's going to be a fruitful place for me. He tried to make the best of it. And isn't it just like the, the story of humanity, that just when you think you've put those things behind you, something happens and they're back again. The brothers show up. What does that teach us? It teaches us that God can do more than fix the emotions and the memories and the attitudes that we have because of the sorrows that we've experienced. He can actually restore relationships. And even more than that, he can restore humanity. He can restore nations. He can restore people groups. He can restore the future of mankind. And that's what he was doing by bringing the brothers of Joseph down to Egypt. It resurfaced all sorts of emotions. I think anyone who has suffered and has had to forgive people who have done them wrong and had to put their troubled past behind them has had that experience where you think, okay, now it's done. Now I'm okay. And then something happens yet again. And it's like, you have to revisit it all over again. That's what happened when Joseph's brothers are in front of him and they're talking to each other in Hebrew. They don't know who he is. He knows who they are. And they're saying, this is our fault. This is because of what we did to Joseph. And they're, they're confessing that what they did was a sin and Joseph is hearing it. He's present and they have no idea. He's overcome with emotion, not once, but several times in this story. And it teaches us something. It teaches us that, that to be a strong man and a strong man of God does not mean that, that we just bury our emotions. We feel them. We express them. They can come out even as they did for Joseph with weeping. His feelings were so strong that he not only wanted to cry, he wept and he had to go into another room. But he, he tells us about that. And that's how we know the story because these details have been passed on to us. He didn't hide these facts, these strong emotions, and nor do you need to hide your strong emotions. You may be in the midst of such difficulty. You may be seeing some of your loved ones suffering. Some of them may be facing life-threatening illness, complications because of COVID or because of another uh, health issue that's taking place even right now. You may have lost loved ones during this time and everything's been complicated and you may find yourself overcome with emotion. Don't just bury it. Don't just deny it, but don't be trapped by it. Don't let it have the ultimate word in your life. Let God have the ultimate word express those emotions, feel those emotions. They are real. They are authentic, but they may not be the last word in your life. Every one of us can, 
come before God with our feelings and with our thoughts. We can present them to him and we can cast our worries upon him. He is more than able and more than willing to take our anxieties, our worries, our burdens, our needs upon him, himself, and to give us a light burden. It's not the light burden of denial or avoidance. No, it's the light burden that comes when you know that God himself is carrying the heavy burden with you and for you. That lightens the burden. If you've ever tried to carry something that's just physically too heavy for you, and then one or two other people help and they, they gather around that heavy thing and they lift it with you, your part becomes light. What, become, what had been perhaps impossible physically becomes easy physically. In the same way, the emotion, the spirit, the, the struggle, the, all the thoughts, the, 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 oh, the angst of it all becomes a light thing when you know that God is carrying it with you. You know he's carrying it with you when you've brought it to him. It's one thing to have these emotions. It's another thing to keep them to yourself and to act like God is either unconcerned or unable to help. It's a whole other thing to bring those feelings to God, to share them honestly with God, and then to let God carry the burden that is too much for you. Well, this is a wonderful, wonderful time of the year to be reading in the scriptures and to be reading the story of Joseph Tzachnat Paneach. I hope you enjoy the story next week. There's yet another chapter as we approach the birth of Messiah when the whole world starts paying attention to, to a Jewish Messiah, believe it or not. Everyone's focusing on this, it seems. Um, it's a great opportunity for us to do the same thing next week as we're studying together, even though it will be um, just right after Christmas Day. It'll be um, Friday, Christmas night, and Shabbat Saturday the next day. But we're going to continue in our study of Torah, and we're going to connect the, the redemption of Joseph and Israel and the redemption of Yeshua and Israel as well, as we look at the Redeemer who's in disguise. We're gonna close with Aaron's blessing. I wanna invite Rebbitz and Sandy to come and sit with me. Thank you, love. Thank you for sharing from your heart. So Thank welcome. you for sharing your deep, deep feelings. I know you can relate to Joseph and I know people who relate to Joseph can relate to you. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I want to tell the audience that the last song that we had was so touching to me. And then I looked up beyond the screen that I look at, and they're all my grandchildren, seven of them, pictures of them. And I thought, oh, between the grandchildren and this anointed song, I was already undone when I came on. <laughs> Well, we heard your heart, dear. I'm glad.
Thank you. We're going to close with Aaron's blessing. But first, would you consider becoming a financial supporter with a generous contribution? You can go to our webpage, bethisraelnow.com slash giving for all the details. And please also consider making an end of year donation that can help us finish the year strong and begin 2021 with strength. So now for Aaron's blessing, Yivarechecha Adonai v'yishmarecha, Ya'era Adonai p'navelecha v'ichunecha, Yisa Adonai p'navelecha v'yasemlecha shalom. The Lord bless you. The Lord keep watch over you, guard and protect you. The Lord cause the light of his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and give you his peace in the name of Yeshua, the Prince of Peace. Amen. Shabbat Shalom. So from Sandy and me, thanks for joining us this morning. Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom, everyone.